They say you have three names. The one you inherit from your family. The one your parents gave you. And the one you make for yourself. So create the brand of you. Find the job you've always dreamed of and make it yours by going to Irish Jobs, Ireland's online recruitment platform. Take control of your career. Visit irishjobs.ie and move up to the next level you. Irish Jobs. Make a name for yourself. Whispering. Whispering. Whispering Streets. And here is Betty Davis. Hello. When Daniel Foster went to New York on one of his selling trips, he visited a great many retailers. He also did quite a bit of buying. And sometimes in the evening, somebody he'd met during the process of buying and selling would take him to a show, and sometimes he'd be asked to a party, and he'd meet a bevy of glamour girls. He'd laugh at them later with his wife, Norma. Norma had a jealous bone in her body. But one night at the party given by a customer named Hawthorne, Daniel met Hawthorne's daughter, a lovely redhead named Dallas. And Dallas took him in hand and introduced him to the other guests. When they came to one special girl... Philippa, this is Daniel Foster. Daddy says he's a very hot salesman. Oh? This is Philippa Garson, Mr. Foster. She's a model. I wish I could be a model, but Daddy has me completely under his thumb until I'm 18. Well, it won't be long now. You'd make a very fine model, Miss Hawthorne. I'm very pleased to meet you, Miss Guy. I'm sure the pleasure is... or will be mutual. Don't call me Miss Garson. Everybody calls me Flip. It's a very cute nickname. And it certainly suits her. You'll find out. Well, there's my date across the room. The tall man with the dark hair. The terribly good-looking man, Dallas. Uh-huh. His name's Noah Haven, and he's an actor, and I'm absolutely stark staring crazy about him. If I were of age, I'd... Please don't either of you tell Daddy that I'm dating Noah. Daddy doesn't go for acting. He's the old-fashioned type. <laughs> See you later, Flip. You too, Mr. Foster. She's a beautiful girl, isn't she, Mr. Foster? And so fantastically rich. She's very beautiful. So are you. Mm, but I'm fantastically poor. Well, time will take care of that. With your face and figure, you'll marry a millionaire. Do you think so, really? I'm sure of it. Are you a millionaire? <laughs> Anything but. Oh, it's a pity. Where do you live? In Chicago. I've never been to Chicago. I've never been anywhere except here. What's Chicago like? Oh, it isn't very different from New York. But don't let any New Yorkers hear me say so. New Yorkers are very chauvinistic. What does that mean? I'll, I'll give you the definition one day. Oh, don't bother to give me the definition. There are a lot of things I want more than definitions. But that sounds as if I'm hinting, doesn't it? But I'm not. I knew from the moment I saw you, you weren't a New Yorker. Why, is it my accent? Uh, do I sound like a Middle Westerner? Oh, it isn't your accent. It's your... your attitude. <laughs> now I want a definition. Well, well, let me see if I can explain. It... Well, the men who live in New York are so smarty-pants. They pretend to know all the answers, and they're forever wisecracking at somebody else's expense. Well, now, that isn't very kind. No, it isn't. They're smooth. Too smooth. But you're cute, Daniel. You're not only cute, 
You're nice. Thank you. And it isn't just that, either. The men in this town don't think anything of a girl's reputation. They put her in all sorts of embarrassing positions, and then they laugh and walk out on her. Of course, there's some unprincipled people in every city, in every small town, for that matter. And the town I came from originally had less than a thousand in population, but even there, I knew a couple of characters that belonged in jail. Only a couple? Mm. My, in this town there were millions of stinkers. And I mean stinkers. Why, leaving you out of it, there isn't a man in this room, not one, that I trust. You're flattering me beyond endurance. Beyond endurance? Oh, I hope not. You're something, Daniel. I like you. And I like you, Flip. Very much. Tell me, Daniel. Are you married? Yes, I am. Well, I admire you for admitting it. Most of the men I know are such liars. Is your wife anything like me, Dan? No, Flip. No, she, she isn't a bit like you. I guess nobody is quite like you. In just a moment, Betty Davis will be back again. But first... Return with me now to those thrilling days of yesteryear. To be specific, Thursday, when a masked man of the plains and his faithful Indian companion had just rescued a pretty girl from a gang of bad guys. Um, Kimosabe, pretty girl come this way. Better put him on mask. Mm -hmm. Kimosabe, you're supposed to put mask over eyes, not mouth. Unfortunately, the masked man had neglected his teeth and was a little shy about his appearance. A masked man? I just wanted to say something. What did he say? Him say him want to talk to you with eyes. Oh, forget it, Charlie. <laughs> the masked man was so upset, he rode off into the sunset, where he brushed after eating, watched sweets, and practiced good dental health. But had he been able to smile that fateful day, he could have been riding around with a pretty girl instead of an Indian. Next time a pretty girl comes your way, please be ready to smile. A message from the American Dental Association. With Betty Davis. I guess nobody's quite like you. That's what Daniel Foster had said to the girl named Philippa. Well, she was something for the book, with her pale hair, her slanted green eyes, and her short upper lip, and her slim little body. She smiled into Daniel's face, and as he smiled back, he felt himself blushing ever so slightly. Tell me about your wife, Daniel. What's she like if she isn't like me? Well, Norma has medium brown hair. There's quite a little gray in it now. Is it straight or curly? Well, it's straight. But well, she has permanence. Well, I hope she doesn't have the frizzy kind. You do make a woman look even older than her actual age. Is she thin, Daniel? Or fat? When we were married, she was as slim as you are. But now she's... Put on a little weight. No, oh, if women would only realize they must keep themselves in shape. That is, if they want to hold their husbands. Not that you're the sort who'd run out on a woman, even if she were fat and frizzy-haired. You're loyal through and through. 
You're being awfully kind to me. And I could be loads kinder to you if I had the chance. And if you had the time. How long are you going to be in New York, Daniel? I was planning to go home tomorrow night. I could stay until the end of the week if anything important came up. Important? Like what? Three guesses. Well, if you decide to stay till the end of the week, call me and we'll go dancing. I'm such a smooth dancer. Oh, I do all right. I, I'm no Arthur Murray or Fred Astaire, but I get my. Well, I'll give you my phone number before we leave. Give it to me now. I use a pencil and a slip of paper. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I'll bet you never use it. You'll go home tomorrow night and I'll never see you again. That's life. My goodness. I haven't asked you what you're doing in town, have I? Well, that's one thing about me. I'm not the least snoopy. I came out to do some selling. Oh, yes, I remember. Dallas Hawthorne said you were a hot salesman. I guess you could sell anybody anything, Daniel. I'm not that good. <laughs> Well, and then, too, I had to do some buying on the side. Oh. What did you sell? And what did you buy? I'm in the garment trade. I sold the finished products and bought raw materials. Is the finished product for men or women? For women. My firm makes women's and Mrs. dresses. Oh, high style? Sorry, no. No, you wouldn't be interested in the dresses we sell. They're for women in the modest income class. Oh, heaven knows I'm in the modest income class. But even though you don't make high-style dresses, you must know some of the wholesalers who do make them and some of the retailers who sell them. Yes, I do. Oh, a girl can get grand bargains if she knows wholesalers. Oh, I wish I knew a couple of wholesalers or somebody who knew them so I could get clothes cheap. <laughs> I'm still wearing last summer's things and the styles have changed so drastically in the last year. <sighs> it's a crime, isn't it? A girl like me should have to wear last some of clothes. I'd say it's a crime. Perhaps I can do something about it. Oh, you're a darling. If we weren't in such a crowded room, Daniel, I'd kiss you for being such a darling. Daniel, having committed himself, took Philippa to a couple of wholesalers the next day, and she bought three suits and four dresses, and somehow they were put on his bill. Norma hadn't a jealous bone in her body, but Dan wondered if she'd mind having him buy a few suits and several dresses or slips. But the girl needed them, and she was obviously flat-busted. He made a date to take Philippa to dinner at the theater and to a supper club after the theater that night. He'd about decided, you see, to stay over until the end of the week. And when they were seated in the popular supper club, with a very small table between them, This is a lovely place. None of the men I know here in town ever take me to such lovely places. Well, they must be cheapskates. Oh, yeah, they are. And they never give me really nice presents either. I'm wearing one of the dresses you gave me, Dan. Why, well, I didn't exactly give it to you. Oh, yes, you did, darling. Who want to dance? I've been waiting for the honor. Oh, I'm going to miss you terribly when you leave. Truly, I am. You're not only cute and nice, Yes, sweet. Well, come on, let's go. Mm -hmm. Ah, 
known not with Thomas Moore, with Norma. And she's first known her young and slim in the moonlight, saying a tremulous yes to his blurted out proposal. The words of the song came back to her. Leave me with all those endearing young charms which I gaze on so fondly today. Were to fade by tomorrow and fleet from my arms like fairy gifts fading away. Gifts fading away? Why not gifts at last? Thou wouldst still be adored as this moment thou art. Let thy loveliness fade as it will. And around the dear ruin which wish of my heart would entwine itself burdenly still. What's all this about a dear ruin? It is not while beauty and youth are thine own, and thy cheeks unprofaned by a tear. Please, stop it, please. You're making me nervous, Daniel. Silly you are. It's silly words. Dan was thinking how seldom he'd seen Norma cry. Not when he was faced by a business failure. Not when her father had passed away. The one time he'd seen her cry was when their son, age 10, had been killed in an accident to the school bus. Yet she'd been able to smile through her tears. We've still got our little girl, Dan, dear. And we must bear up for her sake. Norma's brown hair with its touches of gray. What if she did have a frizzy permanence every so often? He glanced across the table at Philippa with her pale gold hair. She was peering at him with her green eyes narrowed. Well, that's better. What's better? You're looking at me. At least you still know I'm alive. I, I still know you're alive. As I said a moment ago, you made me nervous when you started quoting that poetry stuff. Did I? You're not listening to a word I say. Well, yes, I am. That's a fib, Daniel. You're thinking about something else. Business? No, I, I was thinking about Norma, my wife. Last night when I asked about your wife, I said, does she look like me? And you said... The, the fervor and faith of a soul can be known, with which time will but make me more dear. back in the past now. He was just a step removed from the present. A few months ago, he and Norma had celebrated their 15th wedding anniversary. They stood hand in hand in the receiving line, thanking their guests, and their little daughter had darted all over the place like a gay butterfly in her organdy dress. And Norma had leaned close to him and had whispered, I love you more now, Dan, than I did on our wedding day. We only had love when we were married. Now we have roots. Roots that go very, very deep. That's right, Norma. Have I made you as happy, Dan, as you've made me? Yes, darling. One of these days, we'll go on a second honeymoon. And it'll be better than the first one, because we're so well acquainted. We don't have to explore each other's minds and hearts. We can spend all of our time being grateful, because we have so very. 
doing it again. I was talking about your wife. I was saying that I'd ask you if she looked like me. You remember what you said, Daniel, when I asked that question? Just give me a moment and I will remember. Well, I remember right now. You said you guessed that nobody was quite like me. And I guess nobody is, but you're in a class all your own. Mm, now you're beginning to sound like yourself. Oddly, strangely, head-turningly beautiful. Now you're sounding like yourself again. But Norma's beautiful, too, in her own way. It's a quiet, calm way, but yes, she's beautiful. Look, Philip. I'd better settle up the check, and then we'll get going. Another class? No, no, I'll take you to your apartment house, and then I'll go to my hotel and pack my bag, and then I'll drive out to the airport and be a stand-in until a cancellation comes through. But I thought you were going to stay until the end of the week. I thought so, too, Philip. But I've changed my mind. are the ones that make life worth living. You remember that at the party, it was Mr. Hawthorne's attractive daughter, Dallas, who introduced Daniel to the other guests. Dallas admitted that she was in love with a young actor. He didn't want her father to know. again is Betty Davis. When it came to the man in her life, Dallas Hawthorne knew what she wanted, or thought she did. Anyway, her adventure took her to a dude ranch owned by an old friend of yours, Ma Higgins. So, until then, this is Betty Davis saying goodbye from the Whispering Street. program was written by Margaret E. Sankstey. Featured in the cast were Eve McVeigh, Mick Perrin, and Colleen Collins. Whispering Streets was directed by Gordon T. Hughes and produced by Ted Lloyd. Your announcer is Dan Coverley. come to you through the worldwide facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service.